welcome welcome world to another wonderful episode of manager damn money it is tuesday our new time for our live show uh tuesdays at 7 p.m uh i am ben carter and this is my co-host here mr malcolm etheridge malcolm what is going on man a lot man a lot in the world is popping off right about now the world is on fire these days in a lot of different ways um, first of all, of course, we'd be remiss not to mention, uh, obviously, our hearts going out to the folks affected in Houston in particular um, by Hurricane Harvey. There's a lot of devastation. Um, was watching a video myself on the news um, of water levels that were up, almost reaching second levels of homes. Um, and the inches of total accumulation. Absolutely. Like Barely seen stop signs rising out of the water. Um, so people can do whatever you can to contribute if you can't, like, you know, contribute in a major way, you know, send $5 to some kind of fund or organization that does something. There's going to be a whole huge cleanup and then also a, a somewhat of a housing crisis as well um, as a result. Um, but in lighter news, uh, 45 went and visited the space, apparently. I don't know if that counts as lighter news, but it, uh, well, it was there. The light news is that uh, Melania, the first lady, she showed up in stilettos, Stiletto apparently. pumps. In the flood. Dun, dun. Yeah, she, uh, she, well, you know what? Stiletto pumps are like Nikes for her, though. I've noticed. I will. <laughs> like, you know, no matter where you see her or what she's doing, uh-huh. that is part of her uniform. So, you know, maybe it's just that we aren't used to where so, she comes from. That's, that could be Wherever it. that is. I don't know where she comes that from. That could be it. <laughs> um, but of course, we want to remind folks, you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money. Um, and in this episode, uh, the conversation at hand is keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits. Um, so that'll be an interesting topic to talk about some of the reasons why we spend the way we do um, and kind of a little bit behind that uh, saying, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Uh, and then also some news that came out recently, uh, Whole Foods said that or excuse me amazon said that they were gonna get whole foods to lower their prices or the company that they now own by in some cases up to 43 percent, which was i guess like a big deal were you guys talking about that in the uh financial management world not real i mean so i've been my, my tv in, in, in the office stays on the news okay. and everything has been about the flood pretty much right um, so I, I, I saw the news about Whole Foods, but it wasn't that much coverage. Right. And Amazon stock didn't do anything, you know, as a result. Uh, but I do want to go this weekend and just investigate this whole thing <laughs> myself and see if, you know, grapes are no longer five ninety nine a pound. Checking price tags. Uh, granted, 43% off of five ninety nine a pound is still not in my price range. <laughs> but maybe grapes. they'll have something in like a, a going gotta go Ben right that will be like you know something I can afford out of Whole Foods I only buy guacamole at Whole Foods I don't know why I like. <laughs> the only thing I really ever get from Whole Foods in the once or two years I mean two times in a year that I go um, I go to the hot food bar okay um, and so hopefully that price might have dipped just a little bit because yeah, the hot no. food bar is the only place that that's I go where they to. make their money <laughs> well then I'm the one funding uh, you know all of their stuff um, but real quick before we move on to the conversation at hand uh, headlines as we always do here on manager damn money interesting event that happened this past weekend Mm -hmm. everyone was talking about it you're clear on what happened everyone's clear on what happened the floyd money mayweather versus connor what's his middle name i don't know 
I don't know if he has one. Conor McGregor. Kangaroo. <laughs> boxing match uh, that happened over the weekend on Saturday. It was a pay-per-view event. Um, and really quickly, well, I, I actually watched the fight at a fight party. Right. Um, and then somehow was energized by, like, the actual fight and ended up staying up all night watching, like, post-fight wrap up seriously commentary. this seriously. was that exciting for you. i was up to like 3 a.m past 3 a.m watching the like press conference um watching stephen a smith who actually inspired me stephen a, a looks so tired man <laughs> that night he looked so dumb well, i mean it was vegas it's late it was after uh you know midnight um but like i said before inspired by the post fight commentary of Stephen A. Smith um, it was brought to my attention again that Floyd Money Mayweather must be applauded for more than his boxing skills and 50-0 and record Mayweather apparently was aware of the fact that the pay-per-view servers in Las Vegas and California crashed ahead of his fight with Conor McGregor right. uh, suggesting that the man is really on top of his business so one of the details that was thrown in after the fact is that the fight servers for two different places crashed because it was showtime. Too showtime. Yeah. So too many people were trying to buy the fight at once and it shut it down. For like 30 minutes it delayed. It was the, 30 minutes? It was almost 30 minutes it delayed the fight. I didn't realize it at the fight party. So it was supposed to be like more like 1130 than 12. Yeah. Because the undercards wrapped up a little early. Okay. So they should have actually been right. moving on to the main event sooner. Right. But the HD version of the servers crashed. <laughs> so only the standard def was available. Because no, who's markets. buying SD these days? Right. That's hilarious. I didn't know that. Um. So, like, I found that out. And apparently that news got back to Floyd. And I imagine he at least had a part and partial say in saying hey, we're not going out yet until that's rectified. True, it was um, his party. It's his party, which people don't always, I think people think like they're watching the BMA or the Box, National Association of Boxing or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's not what this is, which we'll get into a little bit in a moment. Um, so we wanted to take a really quick look, a deeper look into, uh, you know, how some of his business dealings have gone, Floyd May Mayweather in particular. Um, but we pulled a August 2017 Business Insider story reviewing Mayweather's career and biggest business moves. Um, a couple of things to note, Malcolm. In 2006, uh, and I think this is probably the start of his, like, doing things the way that he does, he paid... $750,000 to void his contract with Bob Arum's top-ranked promotions company, opting to conduct his own negotiations. Um, less than a year later, he shattered expectations by taking home $25 million from his fight with Oscar De La Hoya. So that was the first time in 2006, like 11 years ago now, mm -hmm. that uh, Floyd Mayweather actually decided to negotiate his own deal essentially right um by 2010 mayweather had won 41 professional fights and was among the most prominent athletes on the planet thanks to his fights with marquez and shane mosley he made 65 million in the span of a year um and the story also reports that his he's invested in things like real estate clothing lines and also marijuana dispensaries um and is said to have pocketed as much as 400 million from this particular fight with conor mcgregor this past weekend so for two seconds i don't want to take anything away from mayweather because i'll be Obviously, he really has done a very good job of, like, taking care of his own. Absolutely. Um, but for a second, I just want to focus on the fact that Conor McGregor talked his way into a $100 million payday. Man. So, yes, he did lose. Yes, we did <laughs> watch him get beat up and, uh -huh. all, you know. But this guy was homeless four years ago. Wow. And then 
within four years ago to now, he's been fighting as an MMA right. artist, right. and his girlfriend has been supporting him this entire time. Wow. So the way this fight came about is him starting beef with Floyd Mayweather on Twitter and Instagram and everything else for a course <laughs> of like a year. And... Forcing Mayweather to engage him in conversation, right. telling everybody he knows that he could beat Mayweather if he was given the opportunity to. <laughs> Mayweather finally, I don't know if folks in his camp uh, pushed on him that you know this was the opportunity to make some real money or right. you know whatever it was. This dude came out of retirement right. to whoop Conor McGregor. <laughs> Because Conor McGregor was talking so much trash on social media right. that he just felt like, I have to do this to get this dude to leave me alone. Right. Conor McGregor paid himself $100 million <laughs> to get beat down. Through trash talking. Dude, like, I'm about to go start Twitter beefs with, like, 50 people tonight just to see how much money I can make out of it. Like, right. that was rich. So, anyway, not to take anything away from Floyd Mayweather, but right. I would say kudos to McGregor from for going from homeless right. to nine-figure athlete Seriously. overnight. Overnight, quite like, literally. you know, but anyway. And I think as a footnote, obviously, most people know this by now, uh, Conor McGregor kind of skipped his way to the front of the line. Yes. In terms of fighting Floyd. Got a title fight. Got a, got a title fight that was referred to in the opening as a special event. It wasn't even a title fight or anything. It was just a special event. Um, but we actually, and then we went on to look at another story. This was actually a little bit uh, longer ago um, from a 2014 Bleacher Report story by Tim Smith. Um, it says that Mayweather collects money on the tickets, beer, soda, hot dogs, and ads being shown around the arena. Uh, the first and most important element of every Mayweather fight is the opponent. Uh, Mayweather apparently makes the selections with his advisor, Al Heyman, and also Mayweather promotion CEO, Leonard El Leonard Ellerby. Um, and then Mayweather also has a hand in choosing the undercard fight. So this is an interesting element that I don't think people realize. He gets paid off those undercards, too. Absolutely. Um, when you, like, again... As a sports person, you're used to watching the NBA and knowing that there's this greater association that's planning and hosting and dealing with these events. That's the NFL. That's the major baseball, major league baseball. But boxing is uniquely different in that there is no association managing the situation. This was quite literally an event in the same way that people throw events like at a club. Right. Well, the association used to be called Don King Management. <laughs> And, and and Mayweather followed the Don King model Absolutely. and said, I'm going to be the show and the business, Absolutely. Uh, to quote the late, great James Brown. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, uh, another piece of detail in terms of the business side from some of the stuff Mayweather's done, uh, he takes 50% of all pay-per-view revenue on top of what he is guaranteed for each match. So that means Mayweather literally got a piece of what people paid to watch the Not a fight. piece. A half. Half. A half. Which is insane. Like, and this was like, I don't, I think they were saying like almost a million people purchased the fight. Mm -hmm. or, I, I don't remember what the number I think it was are. above that. It was above So the they million. took the number. So initially they had the number of folks who had like prepaid for it. Okay. But then they realized that folks were waiting until the end of the first round to see if the fight was actually going to go anywhere. Oh, wow. Before buying it. Okay. So they had far more people jump in after the first round than they thought they would. And it went well above a million wow. that actually tuned, paid for and tuned into the fight. Okay. Excellent. Um, That is crazy crazy so people and i think people it's lost on people that he's actually throwing himself 
a party. Right. Wherein he, right. like you said, the fighter. And everything from the tickets that you buy to go to the arena that the fight's being held in to the hot dog that you bought. The to, weight they're going to fight at, the size of the gloves they get to use. Absolutely. All that I don't know stuff. if you noticed it. The ring, what is it? The ring ropes mm-hmm. said Mayweather promotions on them. Now, Connor had the post, I think. Okay. It said something Connor on the post. Um, but I was looking around like, this is nothing but a show. Like, this is performance Which art. Which is why I told you, boxing to me is no longer what boxing used to be. Okay. And maybe for but the better. But wasn't it always I, like that? It was and it wasn't. In the Like, Mike Tyson didn't own Jack. <laughs> Mike Tyson didn't own anything except the the poncho that he wore to the to the to the ring. Because then nobody want that back, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm not convinced he didn't just cut a hole in a towel, say this will do, and walk out there and beat dudes down. Right. Like so, when you think about like where boxing used to be, it's kind of like the rap game okay. in the sense that like Jay Z owns title and Jay Z is the featured artist on title, right? <laughs> it's exactly like the it's kind of the, the the same model in that way. That like I'm going to build the platform, I'm going to perform on the platform, and then I'm going to invite my my best friends over right. to perform on the platform too and we'll share in how much we make off of that right that is essentially what mayweather has done to the sport of boxing right but at the same time I, I just, i'm just not a huge boxing fan like i used to be growing up okay. because the fights are kind of staged events like i'm watching wwf i mean point. it was serious like this the level of like build up for this was equivalent to what i remember when one of the times at WrestleMania, The Rock was going to wrestle Triple H. Exactly. It was exactly that same level of build-up, trash talk, and anxiety building that, and Connor's good at it. You can see in McGregor's eyes, he knew that Stone Cold Stunner was coming <laughs> in the 10th round, and he acted accordingly. Absolutely. But yeah. so uh, something that, that I, I noticed a while ago, probably like two years ago, when I really started paying attention to Floyd Mayweather as a businessman, uh-huh. and your boy Stephen A. pointed it out on uh, one of the yes. ESPN shows uh, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard Floyd ever say anything negative about his opponent before he beat him or after he beat That's him. That's real. And I don't mean like the trash talking that goes on before to build up the fight. Right. I mean, when they ask him, like, Floyd, can he fight? Can you beat him? Can you? you never hear. He gives McGregor all the props in the world as soon as he comes out the ring. He did. Because he has to convince you that this was a spectacle. And you actually <laughs> got your money's worth. And that dude was actually on his level. Right. Like, think about the last five or six fights you've seen from Floyd Mayweather. Right. All he does is get in there, dipsy do. Look like he's playing around with his sparring partner. Uh, but when he gets out of the ring, he says, man, that dude was a bad boy. <laughs> he was throwing all kind of punches at me. Did you see that? Like, he builds it up even after he's even fought. After the fact. So that he can sell the next one. Absolutely. That is genius. It's genius. And he said he's thoroughly retired now. Oh, um, he's, you know, thoroughly old now. Yeah, he's 40. So I don't know if you could do that too much more. I, I asked somebody at the beginning of the fight. I said, should a 29-year-old be fighting a 40, 40-year-old? And I, at the end, I was like, well, I guess in this case, it was fine. He looked all the 40 though he did i guess i guess he did a little bit um but anyway uh the business of uh mayweather and how he makes his money um real quick question for you is mayweather not a perfect example of ownership and the way that you're supposed to in the way that you just described you know sean carter does it owning your craft and then exploiting your craft to the maximum yes but it's it's very tough to do when you're an individual i mean it's easy to do when you're an individual in comparison to team sports that's true so if you look at like uh 
Ice Cube in this big three basketball league that he's trying to get off the ground. Yes. It is far tougher to own a league like that, get it started from scratch. You remember the XFL? I do remember that. Think about Vince McMahon was a hundred millionaire. He, had he a couldn't lot of money. get a football league out the out the ground. Right. You know what I mean? So if you just look at individuals versus team sports, Serena Williams might be able to get people to pay admission fee to come watch her smack Sharapova for the thirtieth <laughs> time. I would pay for that. But right. Serena said, I'm taking my talents to the Serena Williams Entertainment Network. Right. And I'm going to charge $50 admission for you to come watch me play whoever I decide to play. Right. And all the people who play in the matches before me, I'm going to get a cut from whatever they get for winning and whatever, whatever. And the Serena Williams Open would be 20 years. Right. Like, I would actually pay to come watch that. But it's an individual sport. Right. And that individual is putting up their own money to make that thing happen. So Absolutely. much tougher to do if you're like, you know, the Redskins or the right. Yankees or something like that. Right. You can't go create a baseball league nine people and right. you know absolutely one question that we got off or interesting thought we got off uh instagram um would it be possible to uh i forgot what my thought was <laughs> okay i forgot what my thought was um but we want to remind people as i about as old as floyd catch now. dementia um that you're listening and watching manager damn money we're gonna take a quick music break um but when we come back we're gonna uh, cover the conversation at hand which is keeping up with the joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits um we want to remind you that you can always subscribe to manager damn money on apple Podcasts. just search manager damn money and then hit subscribe and also leave us a comment or review there that helps us move up in the ratings and then you can also find us on soundcloud soundcloud.com backslash manager damn money and also on facebook facebook.com backslash manager damn money and anytime you have a comment thought or you want us to cover something uh send us an email at info at manager uh this is manager damn money with ben and malcolm we will be right back
This is Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. We want to welcome you back, um, those who are listening live and those who are listening on the podcast. Um, we've been talking about Floyd Mayweather's business exploits and in our getting wrapped up about that fact, we forgot. Today's a very special day, Malcolm. What's today? Today is Michael Jackson's birthday. <laughs> so... I don't know how that got lost in the whole everything else. That should have led with know. the whole show. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we traded uh, one great for another, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, we still had to get that in there. Indeed. Happy Big, birthday, MJ. Happy birthday, MJ. Inspiration. Even You know what trips me out about Michael Jackson in particular? Real quick. Kids who are not or were not born when Michael Jackson was last alive still know and dance and do Michael Jackson. That is, uh, that's a good point. They learned it on YouTube. Yeah, like, but they, it's still as transformative for that generation who have a whole lot of things that they could be looking at and watching um, instead. You know uh, what trips me out about Michael Jackson? What's that? My favorite video of all time. What's that? The Remembrative Time video. Uh-huh. This dude showed up to a pyramid okay. and stole Eddie Murphy's girl. <laughs> danced off, danced her out of the pyramid, uh, off the throne. Indeed. Best Michael Jackson video of all time. There you have it. There you have it. Uh, this is Manager Dan Money with Ben and Malcolm. Today's conversation at hand, keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits on Manager Dan Money. We know saving and planning your financial future is hard. We all face daily challenges in making the right decisions and that we do the things that we think would be important to spend. Um, and so we thought we would take some time to figure out why sometimes it's so difficult. Uh, one of the most prominent and pernicious struggles of doing right by your money is the urge we all feel to keep up with the Joneses. Um, so that's kind of the pressure that we feel from the outside to do different things. Uh, you know, so I, I have some things that I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but to kind of kick it off, we thought we'd pull this story. Um, the headline read, this is why it seems like everyone else has more money than you. Um, this was an August 2017 Nerd Wallet article by Liz Weston, where uh, she said, it's not just you who wonders how your neighbor can afford a sweet new ride or how your coworker announces she's taking yet another trip abroad or how your best friend upgrades to a bigger house in a better part of town. We all want to know how those people in our lives are doing that. Um, and the article explored the idea of our collective, quote unquote, wanting to know how people don't make that much more money than us can afford to spend on such lavish or exotic things i have an actual like experience with this and it's gonna like people like people when i say it are gonna know that i'm calling them out in particular but it's not <laughs> it's not like a bad thing but one of the sure. things that i've gotten recently especially since uh the wife and i have traveled to a couple different places is y'all just be traveling y'all go i mean when can i can i be like y'all and which Instagram. is Instagram. Well, it's Instagram and all That's that. What you get for posting on Instagram. <laughs> which is cool. Right. There's it, definitely that element. But even behind that, or at least maybe it's just because who I am, I read behind that comment y'all can afford to go overseas like that? What y'all doing? So, <laughs> so I, I mean, you always have to consider, though, like, who the people are who are saying this to you no these are people who, these are folks who we hang with well you know? hang on a second so everything is relative is where i was going with that okay so i'm not jealous of anybody who goes on a one-week trip right. because i can go on a one-week trip right i'm jealous of your grandma who goes on <laughs> four-month cruises 
Like it's nothing. Like right, that's yes. what. So it's relative. Like <laughs> I want to be cruising for four months too. Right. Absolutely. Um. And the uh, story went on to say uh, the new car, that house, and the exotic trip are the, sh- the shiny end results of a series of decisions hidden below the surface. Um. What we don't see typically are the trade-offs or the consequences. Um. And that's kind of to my point about you know us traveling and doing different things like that. There are other si- sacrifices we make. Like I haven't had a car since before Uber was a thing. Right. And so like that's a sacrifice that people don't really realize now granted now my wife and i we share a car um but for but time before we got married and we're living together i was on the bus i was you know on the metro you don't buy tide i don't buy tide (laughs) (laughs) detergent exactly so these things add up um and there's some other things that we've done uh you know in our own lives to save to be able to do the traveling thing um, but it's just an interesting thing that, you know, people kind of see on the front end what's happening. And there are always trade-offs. As- always. Because you can't have it all, essentially, right. unless you are a millionaire or at least in our case, 100, 100,000 air. Like, I've heard the saying, like, you can do anything you want. You just can't do everything you want. Absolutely. So that it kind of is the same thing. Like, you know, if you're, you're to your point, if you're driving a car that's costing you $500, $400 a mm-hmm. month to... Uh, pay for and maintain absolutely well then there's your there's your trip, trip money you know what <laughs> i mean that that whole thing is done right there that's five grand every year right. that you save on car expenses that you could use to go on that trip absolutely or two. absolutely um and then economists and psychologists in the piece say um we care about our st- status especially relative to our peers which malcolm kind of alluded to um and what we consume can be a way of keeping track so some people buy cars some people go on trips um a quote in a story um a lot of our decisions are based primarily on this comparison effect measuring ourselves against others can spur some people to economic success said behavioral economic Economist Fernando Sapatero um, of the University of Southern California's Marshall School of Business in Los Angeles. Um, that competitive, how do I do better impulse drives some people to work harder and invest more and persevere through difficulties. But it can also lead people to waste money on things that aren't really important and miss out on things that are uh, important, as some financial pl- uh, planners in the piece said. Um, so it's an interesting thing that, like, obviously going to you know, living our lives. And then also, as you mentioned before, with Instagram being what it is, with Facebook being what it is, um, it's really difficult to not feel the pressure that you should be doing X, Y, or Z financially, I guess. Right. Um, Especially when you see people spending on this or that. Um, I wonder in your world, Malcolm, do you ever hear, have clients come to you as a financial planner and say, well, my buddy was telling me about his boat that he was getting ready to buy <laughs> do people come to you and say say you know um some i, I don't i don't usually hear about a boat like okay it, or if, <laughs> if they have a boat it's not because somebody else does okay but i do get some of that where i have to talk people off a ledge and save them from themselves right okay. like you know so for example i had i used to have a client who uh, was determined to take money out of his 401k mm-hmm. to buy a BMW. Just for the BMW. <laughs> Car didn't break down. 
didn't need you know a BMW specifically How because was of the he? German engineering uh, early fifties. Okay, okay. Um, it was just that I've always wanted a BMW and I gotta have a BMW. Right. He pulled and I up. think it, it kind of had a little something to do too with everybody in my neighborhood on oh, my wow. street. Okay. Where I live and this you know McMansion has a BMW, right. so I have to have a BMW to match that. Right. And so he was you know determined and actually did right. take a loan out of his four hundred one k. Oh wow. To buy a BMW and I'm not talking about a you know a 2000 BMW that right. cost 10 grand with he got a fresh know, big body he got a fresh big body <laughs> just created the 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 new 6 series wow. sedan like brand new 80 right. grand the BMW um, boats which you know pretty much guarantees you're going to work forever <laughs> and so at that point it's like you know who's more important mm-hmm. like everybody else or right. you right because you didn't buy that car for you you bought it for you bought that else. car for everybody else right so that's kind of important to keep in mind and i think that's a lot of times where people get distracted financially is it's not necessarily the small little ticky tack stuff that you'll do like buying starbucks instead of making coffee at home yes those add up over a long span of time right but those aren't going to bankrupt you right taking 80 grand out of your 401k plan is going to bankrupt you. <laughs> like you know right so that kind of stuff yeah it's it's very easy i think mm-hmm. to get derailed like that you have to stay financially disciplined right um but back to the point real quick that you made uh, a few minutes ago about kind of using everybody else as the benchmark to keep track and that being the thing that like motivates you to work harder uh-huh. i think that's probably the smarter way to approach it okay as you look at what everybody else is doing and say i don't want to be the one to get left behind sure so then I'm going to do that much more to make sure that I'm, you know, out in front of the pack right. and making sure that I'm on top of mine. Okay. So, yes, I'm spending it on X, but it's because I can't afford to spend it on X because I work hard and, you know, right. earn it. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Not I borrowed. 120% <laughs> against, you know, my Against house. my retirement. So, right. Right. Um, so it's interesting. So one of the other questions that I have is it, just in your life as a financial planner and also just regular life, um, socially and otherwise, what luxuries do you find people are willing to sacrifice now? Um, because like I sacrificed not having a vehicle that was like a huge portion of my like cutting things out so to speak what are things people are willing to cut out and then things that people aren't willing to cut out so I'll do the aren't first I think the things people are not willing to 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 cut out is probably travel okay like folks will spend two three four thousand dollars on one vacation and have no shame in doing it (laughs) and and you know everybody as you know everybody's kind of mantra is like well you got to take the trips while you're young right and you know i'm spending my money on experiences not things right sure like there's even the whole tiny house movement right like the commercial that annoys the crap out of me so much is the dude that's like you know we care more about our experiences and so we downsize to a tiny (laughs) house so that we can have the money to do whatever we want be free from stuff and and be free free from life Uh like get out of here dude like you know (laughs) buy a a house with a door malcolm's not buying it (laughs) not buying it at all like those people annoy the crap like you know the people that would rather couch surf 
just uh-huh. to be able to go travel around the world and right. like get a job and travel <laughs> two years from now. Like, get out of here. Says this old man. Um, very good, very good. A couple of suggestions to avoid the feelings of uh, having to keep up with the Joneses really quickly. Um, one good thing is to know your goals concretely uh, such that you know what you're able and working towards, we're able to do and what you're working towards. Are you paying off debt? Are you working towards an early retirement? Are you trying to buy a house? Knowing what your goals are actually obviously filters down into your behaviors. And if you know what your goals are, that helps get you one step closer rather than if you just don't even know what your goals are, then you're just kind of, you know, be flying by the seat of your pants, as right. they say. Um, and then obviously, as you kind of alluded to, Malcolm, decide on what the essentials are. That's a big one. Because um, if you don't even know what's most important to you, then, you know, you can't really make good decisions because nothing's important. So anything can be important. Um, and then also realize you don't always know the backstory of other individuals. That's the um, most important part. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Malcolm? Uh, well, just, you know, you hear, to your point, you hear people make comments all the time. Like, oh, I wish I could do X. Right. Or, oh, I wish I could, you know. You can. Right. Get up and, and you know, grind like the people who are making it happen. And right. you can do it, too. Absolutely. But don't just, and then also to your point, I hate to look at the negative side, but I guess we have to. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know how much debt people are going into to do just these to things. look like they got it right like just because that person has a two thousand dollar purse doesn't mean they They don't owe somebody more than two thousand dollars in credit card bills to buy that purse just because they want you to feel like they got something that you don't have absolutely so now y'all both like the blind leading the blind into (laughs) you know infinite debt like you know absolutely stay in your financial lane as Kevin Hart said Absolutely. And on that note, that Kevin Hart note, uh, we want to remind people you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money. Uh, We're going to take another quick music break and hear from our uh, executive producer and co-creator of this show, uh, Mr. Beats by B-Man. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits. Um, This is Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back.
We're back here on Manage Your Damn Money. That was another piece by Mr. Beats by Beeman, the executive producer and co-creator of this show, Manage Your Damn Money. Um, we're talking about today's conversation at hand, keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits, Malcolm. Um, and so we thought we'd take another look at a different story that we pulled. The headline read, this is why millennials can't have nice things or save any money. And at first I thought this was going to be another millennial bashing piece, uh, but it actually wasn't. Um, an August 2017 Market Watch piece by uh, Quentin Fortune. Fotrell explores the fact that millennials spend $2,300 more a year on several key items. Um, those items include, according to a recent study by Bankrate.com, uh, the millennials spend $233 per month on meals versus $182 per month for older generations. And is, that, is that not a, a little bit to you? It seems like under what I would think, but if you consider averages across the country, like that makes is some sense. Is this because so many people have watched What the Health and so now everybody's in kale? <laughs> I, I actually refuse to watch that. Um, but anyway, that's like a Netflix documentary. Um, but uh, millennials spend $233 per month on meals. Um, older people apparently spend only $182 uh, per month on meals. And then millennials also spend $161 on cell phone charges versus $135 for older people. I saw like an old woman with a flip phone in the mall the other day. That was probably my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Did your mom speak Spanish? No. Okay, well, it wasn't your mom. Uh, but they spend, uh, but millennials also spend $1,100 less per year on travel and TV that can, when compared to like older generations. And then uh, for TV services like cable, satellite, and streaming subscription services, millennials spend just $80 per month on average compared to $114 for those 37 and up. So that's kind of like that cord cutting generation versus um, and you're like a cord cutter, right? You don't have like cable and anything like that. Proudly. I haven't had cable in over a year. <laughs> Sticking it to the man. <laughs> Sacrifices <laughs> being made. Um, the average millennial dines at a restaurant or buys takeout food five times per week and nearly 30% of this age group says they buy coffee at least three times per week. I know my life fits into that range like i can say the with coffee the coffee and the food like the frequency of buying food out regardless if it's like mcdonald's well that's what at 233 a month on food i don't know if that's like at the grocery store or yeah. if that's on like grocery store plus dining out they, they I, it clearly can't be the grocery i assumed it was like okay. eating out um but then more than a, a half of millennials 54 percent eat out at least three times per week compared to roughly one third of gen xers and baby boomers um like how, how often do you eat out, Malcolm, in a week. I'm almost embarrassed to say. Oh like, my God! I'm, I, We're gonna are we gonna find some frivolity in Malcolm's budget? It's right not now? even. I'm not out here frivolousing it up just because uh -huh. you know that's a word. By the way, check it. Um, <laughs> not just because like well, yes, I am. I'm lying. <laughs> I, I just don't feel like cooking. Uh -huh. Like I, I'm that person you see at the grocery store who buys all the ingredients to make one meal <laughs> and then runs to the checkout. Like I don't go grocery shopping. Okay. So I, you know, I, you know, I go to work super early. I right. get home from work super late half the time. Right. The only thing open is whatever's on my way. Everything else I have tunnel vision. Right. So you know, if I go to the grocery store, it's to buy like spaghetti noodles, sauce, <laughs> and, and some like cheese and some meat and. <laughs> Don't talk to me about anything else. That's funny. So, uh, yes, I am definitely in that group that's, uh, okay. that's eating out. Okay. Um, and then also the story went on to say that uh, some 59% of all age groups say they don't purchase any brewed coffee or tea in a typical week. And 40% say they buy takeout or dine in a restaurant uh, no more than once per week. So definitely more on the side of, like, at least in the, in the whole, buying and eating out. Um, I've kind of found... I, 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 
I can't let that go. Like, I find that interesting. What's like, that? if you look at, I don't know how you grew up, but uh-huh. I think about myself. If you look at, like, how often you ate out as a family when you were a kid. It was like a big thing to it, just go to like IHOP yeah. or Sizzler or whatever like the restaurants were back then. Right. As <laughs> the chains. a kid, as a family, whatever. Right. Now, like I just told you, I probably eat out three, four days a week right. for, for dinner right. or lunch right. somewhere in between there. Like that is probably absurd to right. people, you know, in the generations before us who were like, you know, you go out for special occasions. You right. don't eat outside of your house just because it's raining. And a lot of, ha- of that has to do with culture. A couple of things. Food Network. Okay. So, meaning. Blame it on Bobby Flay. <laughs> How do you say? Gourmet fast food? Chipotle. Fast casual. Fast casual. That's, 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 true. that's the phrase I was looking for. So, that's like a cultural thing that permeates. So, it's easier to do that and go to Chipotle. Rest or, in peace, Chipotle. <laughs> or then to like cook a meal. So, that's definitely having an impact where those things weren't available back in the day. That's like very you true. had to go sit your butt down at Denny's and or be there for Or you were eating McDonald's. Right. Yeah, one or the it other. It was one or the other. It wasn't nothing in between. Um, and then also, obviously, we talk about this all the time on Manage Your Damn Money. Um, millennials shoulder more student loan debt than any other generation and face housing prices that are far are higher than their parents did at their age and in a post-recession environment where there are stagnant wages. Um, student loan debt, obviously, as we've mentioned before on the show, uh, has reached collectively $1.4 trillion um, and the cost of college is continuing to soar. And then spending no more than 30% of income on rent or mortgage, which was deemed a golden rule for decades, is now almost impossible for many young Americans, especially those like us living in cities like D.C., New York, you know, and other places like where you can't get away with spending less than even the tiny 30%. house people aren't spending thirty percent on their right. housing costs. Absolutely, absolutely. And then another bank, another bank rate survey found that millennials have the highest propensity to have enough to cover three to five months of expenses, so thirty-one percent. Whereas Generation X is most likely to have some savings, but not enough to cover more than three months' expenses. So some of the lessons that we've learned from the Great Recession are actually seem to be bearing out in these stats that like we're better savers and we're better prepared for the future um and then also people younger than 35 and those with higher household incomes are among the above average users users of digital ordering with apps like seamless and grubhub um restaurant meals were reported as a huge component of eating into budgets of americans at at large um other data shows up to 24 percent of budgets spent on restaurants and non-grocery store food so that's it right there i think in my opinion that's the reason why it is difficult and challenging to especially when it comes to food right because everything's just like at your fingertips um so and and that's one of the things that i wanted to talk about was apps do you use food ordering apps or food delivery apps food isn't so much my achilles heel as it is that you know i hear it is for a lot of people it absolutely Um, is mine but like so what i noticed and and i realized a while ago is that i can't use some of these features on these apps that make it way too easy for you to spend money man like amazon and the one click ordering that's a I un- death trap i delinked everything i needed to ask me three or four times right. are you sure before you place this purchase right to give me a chance to go uh, right what am i gonna do with another like, <laughs> stainless steel straw for this yeti mug that i bought that like you know yes you know you're looking at it and you're like it's only nine dollars for four right but then, like, what am you I going to do it. with them? Right. So I'd rather have my $9. But if it if it only asks me once, put your thumbprint on your cell phone to confirm, to confirm that you by. want this. And it'll be at your house in two days. Right. It's way too easy for me to make that happen. So right. I don't actually 
link my you know, link credit stuff cards up. and stuff up to it just to add that additional layer of difficulty. And then I usually end up saying, you know what, forget it. Like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and that's actually to the point. Um, some of the challenges of spending versus saving in the millennial and then also generation era, generation Z era and generation Z is the generation behind millennials. Um, technology and apps, obviously, like we mentioned, offer you food options at your fingertips. Um, and then like as you mentioned, not wanting to have your things, your payment methods linked up because that makes it too easy. Mm -hmm. uh, I have this one really bad issue. Uh, my favorite clothing retailer, Okay. I have the app on my phone and it allows you to scroll and actually like to save things. So you hit the heart if you like it and it puts it in a little bin and it just like holds it there for you. Right. And so I have a running tab of garments that I like and that I could possibly purchase. And I know that if I would have, if I delete the app, I won't do half or even one third of the damage that I've done as a result of having that app on my phone. But you still haven't deleted that. I still haven't deleted it because <laughs> it is a wonderful pastime of mine. Um, but I do. That's actually really smart though on their part to it, make it just like scrolling. It's, your, it's just like your social news media. feed on Facebook or something. It's exactly the same. The only the, the thing I will say that I do do as a habit and where the saving and liking garments works for me is I never immediately buy things. I always wait because one of two things will happen. Either they will run out of it, which this particular retailer does on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And that will be my sign that I did not need the thing. Okay. Um, and so I will continuously come back at least three or four times until it's still there. And then I'll say, okay, do I really want this? Do I want to pay for it and make those other layers of like decision-making? And then I go through the process of buying it. This end result, I guess in some cases is still the same, but there's been many things that I didn't buy because I waited and kind of delayed my own immediate gratification and just said, no, let me wait. And then came back to it. And then my size was gone. So I can't, can't get it anymore. Um, and then also, obviously, student loan debt is a huge component of millennials not being able to save. Um, and then obviously, which we've talked about before on previous episodes of Manager Jam Money, uh, home buying and the renting quagmire. Um, we know that now, like, buying a home is a lot more expensive than it used to be. Um, but also renting, especially in bigger cities, is getting to be really expensive, too. Well, it, it's, dude, D.C. rent. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not as I think I'm realizing it's not as attractive to buy a house as it used to be. Okay. And so part of what we're talking about where you would rather spend money eating out, going to Starbucks, shopping at whatever clothing store, right. whatever else, you'd rather spend that money on that right. and just rent right. rather than buy a house because owning a house isn't as attractive to us as it was sure. to the generations before us. Like I remember my mom telling me like the re the only reason she bought her first condo mm -hmm. was because her landlord kept raising her rent at some astronomical rate that okay. like pissed her off to the point she said, forget it. I'm just going to move to a place where my housing cost is fixed. Right. Well, that hasn't happened. Right. To Not yet. Me. Right. Like, you know, costs are regulated to some degree sure. by, you know, county government, district government, that kind of stuff. So those things don't happen as much now, mm -hmm. but then separately from that, like that's not enough me having to to move to get away from increasing rent costs, right. that's still not enough to convince me I have to go buy a house like right. tomorrow morning. Right. You know what I mean? So I think it just becomes less and less attractive when you have all of those other detractors that you're naming Absolutely. that make it tougher for you to go buy a house. Like right. unless the banks make it easier for you to go buy a house, it's kind of like, eh, 
you know, well, I, I can wa- keep renting if that means that I can also continue to eat out and whatever else. Right, which we always talk about. Millennials are more concerned with the experience. Um, you're listening and watching Manager Damn Money. Today's conversation at hand, keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits. Um, we're going to take another quick music break and hear another track from Mr. Beats by Beeman. Uh, we just want to remind you that you can always subscribe to Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts. Just hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. Let us know how good of a job we're doing. Those help us go up in the ratings and also remember you can find us on soundcloud.com backslash manager damn money and you can always find us on our website and find everything you need to know there uh managerdamnmoney.com and send us inquiries questions topics you want us to cover at info at managerdamnmoney.com uh this is manager damn money with ben and malcolm we're gonna take a quick music break we will be right back Welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, today's conversation at hand, what we've been discussing, keeping up with the Joneses and the behavioral science behind our spending habits. Malcolm just asked the question, who are the Joneses anyway? You just got to wonder, right? Like, they got to be the flyest people in history <laughs> if everybody and their mom is trying to keep up with the Joneses. Absolutely. Or it's just, you know, where the saying came from itself. Uh-huh. I'm curious, like, who was the Jones family? Who that, coined? That those people in the neighborhood were like, you out here trying to be like the Joneses. <laughs> Did you see the new pool the Joneses Look at got? them with their electricity. <laughs> trying to be like the Joneses. Right, absolutely. Uh, so we were talking about a little bit of the things that get in the way of doing what you're supposed to do, financially speaking. Um a broad question that we kind of get into will technology in the way that you outline continue to give us the greater ability to spend and spend more easily in a way that's kind of you have to use great restraint to avoid doing it if jeff bezos has his way yes <laughs> like i mean they they're doing everything they can to figure out ways to get into your head without having to do a lobotomy like anything short of that they're doing it like right. that's the reason you always hear me like complain and be so leery about giving away my data yeah from my cell phone and my browser history yeah. and everything else because literally you can take that information and craft my wildest dreams yep. and now have it scroll down my facebook feed uh-huh. every single time i log in and it's perfectly tailored just for me. Like that Absolutely. is extremely dangerous for me and my personal budget. You know what also trips me out because two things. I, speaking of Jeff Bezos and Amazon, uh, I recently bought a product, the app. What is it? The TV, the Amazon TV, mm-hmm. and it has the Alexa c- component where you can talk to it and tell it what app to launch or what thing you want to watch. And I was like, I'm unplugging this. And then it tells Jeff Bezos because I don't want I bought. don't want Amazon listening. To what I'm doing in the house just by myself. So I typically unplug that thing when I'm not using it. Um, and then I saw that Amazon's running commercials now where 
for $50, they put like an Alexa type thing you can buy for your house, which is really a play for Alexa. I need more toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And then toilet paper arrives at your they house. They know what today. you like and they know where to find you and they ship it right on out from their and warehouse in Baltimore somewhere. Or their drone from space <laughs> <laughs> drops it on your front yards. So is this like a bad thing for people trying to do better with their money? That yes. Have all these. <laughs> it's Ted, like when you think about like all of the stuff that your parents had to worry about in, in, in managing their finances. That's true. They didn't have to worry about Alexa. It was a checkbook. Right. And that was it, about it. If you balanced your checkbook right, you knew how many dollars you had left right. and so on, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Roughly. But everything was kind of, you know, finite. Right. Now, like. Everything is you can accidentally buy stuff, <laughs> and like it's probably hard to believe that the person accidentally bought it, right? right? Like, your wife could be like, Oh, I accidentally bought those shoes, and you're like, Yeah, all right, whatever, right? But she really could accidentally buy some shoes, right? And then, like, they show up three days later, and it's like, What is this? Like, right. how do they know my size? Because like, like. you were just clicking around on Amazon, and it was like, Oh, yeah, right? There's a, is this app that I wanted to mention that's popular in uh, China. That I was spoken, speaking to some people from China, and they said you can pay for things in China with this particular app. Wait. That's which is a social media. Excuse me, it's a social media platform. Okay, so it's a social media. It's like us saying we could pay for things with Facebook. Well, we can pay for things with Facebook. Can you? Yeah, Facebook has a marketplace. Uh, well, not like that. Like like using the phone the app on your phone of the social media platform as like a card or a credit or a credit card oh, well, facebook pay is around the corner right exactly um so these things which are all crazy and they're like create um distractions and diversions for what you need to be doing with your money um so that's definitely gonna everybody's tapped into your wallet man like everybody yeah it's it, it, it's dangerous and like i said that's why i make it as difficult as i possibly can right to spend the money because as soon as you just so is there is there any solutions, basic solutions, really quickly um, that we can go through to kind of curb the effect? Obviously, the Joneses have one part to do with it, but also technology and the use of technology has something to do with it as well. Use the budgeting apps. Okay. You take advantage of like the the mints and the acorns right. and the digits and everything else right. that actually make you like face the music in right. black and white writing. Right. Here's how much you make. Here's how much you spend. Like my banking app actually says at the very bottom of how much my balance is, mm -hmm. you spend five dollars more than what you actually make every month. Oh, or wow. you spend five hundred dollars less than what you make every month on right. average. Congratulations. Or whatever it is. Right. It actually makes you like face the music. Right. And then I noticed all of a sudden one day it has the option to turn that off. <laughs> and I said the only reason you would want to turn that off is because right. it's kind of like stepping on the scale after eating Thanksgiving dinner. Sure. Like you already know it's going to be bad. Mm. You're just going to do everything you can to block it out Absolutely. until you know you've gotten, gotten back in the gym and you got right. It's kind of the same thing but if you hold yourself accountable and use those kind of apps that are available to us to make sure that what you're spending is still within the parameters of what you should be doing uh -huh. then that kind of helps alleviate some of it but then also if you automate and systematize your saving and investing right then you don't have to worry about spending what you should be saving right if that makes sense so if you have you know 100 200 500 dollars a month or whatever going into a savings account and you're maxing out the match in your 401k plan and you're actually contributing to an investment account or whatever else right. if you're doing those things automatically every month right. and there's still enough money in your regular checking account for you to go act a fool then you're doing okay then you don't have to be as nervous and right. as 
blurry because at least you know you've taken care of the things you should have been absolutely so in a way we're talking about technology and the way that technology pushes us to spend but we're also saying technology can help you save and do things automatically if used correctly if used correctly that's excellent uh input there malcolm uh we want to remind folks that you've been listening to manage your damn money with ben and malcolm uh what else is going on i think that we're pretty much at the end I'm of this looking at all these facebook views man and i almost turned into donald trump for a second i was like did you see this crowd <laughs> <laughs> like the, like it's the biggest crowd ever this is the biggest crowd facebook has ever seen <laughs> like, like i'm actually we're probably up to like 800 views or something in the live feed now i'm not going to refresh while we're like trying to close out the show but like i'm excited absolutely absolutely um and we want to remind folks that you can always listen to past episodes of manage your damn money uh just go to apple podcast or soundcloud and search manage your damn money uh send us a note if you have music also as well that you want to have played during our music breaks on the show you can send those clips to us at info at com. and if it's good we might play it as a music break um maybe maybe <laughs> if it's good um we want to remind you you can always find and find out what's going on with us on social media uh facebook.com backslash manager damn money and also us on social media malcolm what's your handle at malcolm on money and of course mine is at mydm1 until the next episode of manager damn money be good with your money peace peace, peace.